0: Hello and welcome to the Allen & Overy podcast. My name is Rose Hall and I head up business development for our technology group. Joining me today is Catherine Lorenzo, a tech and data focused council based in our Luxembourg office. The focus of this podcast is on the Internet of Things and given how often we read about the exponential growth in the IoT market, I'm really excited to be talking to Catherine today on this topic. As well as advising on a number of fascinating projects in this space, Catherine has also been seconded to one of our big tech clients, and while she was there, she worked on, among a lot of other things, emerging legal issues for IoT, and particularly, she looked at privacy and security matters. So, Catherine, I wonder if you can start by explaining why the market is growing so fast and why the Internet of Things is such an increasingly important part of many of our clients' digitalization strategies. Thanks,
1: Rose, of course, happy to, to answer that question. Maybe we can just start before with a little definition of Internet of Things so that everybody knows uh, exactly what we are talking about today. So there is a European Commission uh, definition uh, that it says that uh, Internet of Things is a network of billions of interconnected devices or systems, mm-hmm. things that can be remotely controlled over the Internet these devices collect and exchange data that can be analyzed and aggregated for use in monitoring maintenance and improvement of processes with the goal of delivering products and services to users so this sounds like a complicated long definition but you all know internet of things because all of us or many of us use them on an everyday basis it's the smartwatch that you may use it's also the voice assistants like Alexa or Google it's connected TV it's every device that is connected to the internet is basically an internet of thing connected device you asked me why this is growing so fast actually because it's convenient on many levels we talk about the connected devices that are used by us as an end consumer but there are many other devices that are used uh, like in different areas, such as agricultural, but also, and as we, as we said, user and user related devices like domotics and these kind of uh, things. It's convenient, it's helpful, data is analyzed quickly and we can only expect IoT to become really even more prevalent in our lives. One of the trends that will certainly help also promote IoT is 5G. Uh, It's really going to be a catalyst for IoT development, but not all IoT requires cellular technology, also other connectivity such as Bluetooth um, and others can be used. Maybe as a last comment, um, IoT is not always a technology on its own. Very often it's combined with other emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence data analytics and on occasion blockchain.
0: Should we start with risk allocation? IoT products presumably involve complex interdependencies between hardware software telecommunications networks and also data. So when you're advising a client on developing or using IoT solutions how do you start thinking about liability in the event that something doesn't work as planned?
1: I think Liability should be thought about not just when the event occurs, when some, something doesn't work out as planned, but also much earlier. Um, actually, given that IoT devices are very often composed of several components, at which not all are produced or rarely all are produced by the device manufacturer, but for instance, sensors, software, he uh, may buy from third-party service providers. He should definitely cover liability in that relationship already with uh, appropriate contractual clauses. On top of that, questions arise whether the current legal framework is really adapting well to the new emerging technologies such as IoT. And actually, there is a working document from 2018 from the European Commission, which is exactly looking into the questions on liability for emerging digital technologies. The question that they raise is whether, for instance, the product liability directive is actually fit for purpose within these technologies and these environments. One of the main questions that comes up here is whether we are really talking about a product or rather a service. So I think both our clients being device manufacturers and us must look out to see whether there is upcoming regulation, what it looks like, and take it into account as soon as possible in in the process. In the meantime, as I mentioned, we should definitely look also into all liability questions on a contractual level, be it towards the user or third-party service providers, which provide components to the device.
0: Why is cybersecurity such an issue with connected devices, and how are you advising clients on this?
1: I think you're right, Rose. Cybersecurity is an issue in this area because we are here having an emerging industry, which has its own challenges. Device manufacturers are keen on putting on the market new innovative devices, which have great features for users, but at the same time, we're talking about very new technology, very new features, new software, and maybe not everything is as mature as it should be when it comes on the market. In addition to that. It's tempting, if it's a battery-based device, to invest more of the battery power into new features than into security. So I think that is on the developer side. But on the consumer side, we have also some naivety because um, sometimes they don't use the proper passwords or don't consider the device as being potentially harmful, the risk of the device disclosing data they wouldn't want to disclose. So they maybe don't see the risk all the time. I think it's also important to know that my device that uh, has been built by a device manufacturer is not a standalone thing. So it is also important to note that the device is created of several components. And it's uh, very important for the device manufacturer to choose the components with diligence and to be sure that they adhere to the same high security principles that the device manufacturer wants to achieve. Because you can really say a chain is just as strong as its weakest link. And if you have a software which allows easy attacks, then your whole device can be corrupted by this. To address some of these issues, the European Commission is actually looking at uh, harmonized standards for IoT and artificial intelligence. So aside from the cybersecurity aspects, there's obviously also a potential risk of uh, collecting personal data and losing personal data due to cyber attacks. And there are specific requirements applicable in this field. Personal data is, just to be clear, data that relates to individuals, but I will
0: give more information on this later on. I wonder if we can talk a bit about intellectual property issues. Given the fact that interoperability must be essential for IoT, I would imagine that IoT developers need to be keeping a really close eye on the developing case law we're seeing at the moment in the field of standard essential patents and friend licensing terms. Yes,
1: absolutely. But this is a huge own area, and I think it's worth your own podcast or article. I think generally IoT requires pretty sophisticated IP protection strategies, for instance, to secure patents if possible, on software-related inventions and uh, to understand potential IP rights that cover data generated by the IoT. So I think there are many, many issues here. IP issues are definitely a significant point to consider for uh, for IoT. On top of, obviously, the protection aspects, also licensing questions should
0: be considered. But as I mentioned, maybe
1: in another podcast.
0: And then very much last but not least, I wanted to turn to the question of data IoT devices have the potential to generate significant quantities of real-time data, as you've already said. I'd like to think a bit more about privacy and data protection aspects, particularly where the data generated can be classed as personal data, and I know this is an area of expertise for you. Where would you like to start? Maybe we should
1: first start with um, stating again what personal data is. I mentioned it already briefly. Personal data is any information by which an individual can be directly or indirectly identified. But uh, that may not mean so much when just having the definition. So in practice, personal data is obviously your name, your phone number, your address. But it's also, and in the context of Internet of Things, that's important, it's also your IP address or your device ID. So whenever personal data is processed by uh, device manufacturer or actually other actors in the process, they need to consider data protection aspects and compliance with data protection laws. In Europe, it's especially the European General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR that needs to be observed. And similar to the considerations on taking liability into account as from the start of your project, GDPR should also be Taking into account as of the start of each IoT project. We won't do a crash course on GDPR here, it's too long, I think, Rose, uh, that uh, will, will be a bit too much, but I think we should focus on two very important areas. The first one would be privacy by design and privacy by default, and the second one would be transparency and user control.
0: That sounds very sensible. Let's do just that. Um, tell us a little bit more about privacy by design and default.
1: So. Privacy by design is really that the device in our case should be configured in a way that it is GDPR compliant from the outset. What does it mean? It should be made and conceived in a way that it respects all the data protection principles set out in the GDPR. For instance, data minimization, so it should only collect data that is needed for the processing activities that are intended in practice to give an example what this means would be if you have an IoT which works with voice data um, then you should not necessarily keep all the voice data that is generated while the user uses it but only data that is really needed to provide the service. So if you for instance have a uh, a service where voice is used as an identification means, then of course you need to create a first uh, a pattern of the voice so you know which user is using the device, but then all the other utterances when the user uses the device don't necessarily need to be kept, it's just The data snippet that is needed to say, yes, this is the user that has authenticated on this device. So that is the the information that should be kept. And when talking about privacy by design, we can go on with our voice data example. Actually, the data template, the voice template should be stored on the device because that's the place where it's the least vulnerable. If it's stored in cloud, it can be easily accessed and And also for the authentication, it's not necessary to have it stored somewhere else. It can be sitting on the device. That's also what happens with your phone, for instance, when you have your voice, your fingerprint identification, or when you have identification via your facial biometric information, all that data would be sitting on your device, not with the device manufacturer usually. In addition uh, to that, and I touched upon when I talked about data minimization, just the data that you need to have should be on the device, I also already slipped into data security again because it's linked. So when the data is not needed to be somewhere else, it can be on the device. But when it's on the device, it must be protected there too. So it should be either pseudonymized, and what does it mean? It can be, for instance, encrypted, or if data that you have needed before is no longer needed, but it would be useful to keep it for statistical purposes, for instance, then you can anonymize it instead of deleting it. In that case, you can reuse it without it being personal data, but it must be properly anonymized. And as mentioned, when we talked about cybersecurity in general, data should not only be protected when it's on the device, but obviously when it's in transit or in its final storage location, all of these considerations obviously need to be taken into account from the outset. You can't build this in later or it's going to be very difficult. In addition, as I mentioned, it's privacy by design and privacy by default. So what does privacy by default mean? It means that any pre-existing configuration must be privacy friendly. So I mentioned data must not be kept for longer than necessary. Also, there should be for devices that have several use cases, a possibility for the user, for instance, to use his smart watch just as a watch. And every other functionality should be activated by the user himself. So that is privacy-friendly. It's uh, by default, no data collection or very minimum data collection. And only upon user choice and user request, we go further and use
0: more data. So then perhaps we should turn to your second big topic, which was, if I remember correctly, transparency and user control. Tell us a bit more about that.
1: So transparency is not just important to comply with applicable laws and regulator guidance, but it's also something that is important to create user trust, which I think every device manufacturer is also keen to achieve. Now, under applicable data protection laws, the user should be informed in a very simple, clear and concise and understandable way which is like, who is the data controller? So who is the one who is deciding on what happens to his data and for which purpose? He needs to understand whether his data is shared with third parties and potentially the types of recipients. But he should also be informed about the rights he has, because every user has the right to access his data, to object to certain types of processing activities, to delete or correct data, so all of these rights need to be also uh, considered. And the question is, how do you consider these? Very often IoT come with an app where, by which you can consult certain data. So I think it would be, for, depending on the device obviously, but for some, it would be the right place to, to give the user his choices in the app where he can control and manage his data to the extent possible. So another very important thing is when we talk about uh, the transparency is to let the user know on which legal basis the processing of his data happens. Maybe this doesn't sound as the first thing that users are interested in, but it's um, in the end very important to ensure compliance with laws and also to comply with the transparency requirement to the end. Because the user should know if the data is only used to provide the service or if the data is also used for other activities like profiling, marketing, machine learning, or other uh, possible processing activities. The user should also be in control of putting connected devices together. I just maybe give you an example that happened to me at home. I have a smart TV and because my husband loves connected devices, also a smart washing machine, I was sitting in front of the TV and without me or my husband having done anything uh, in this respect, I saw a banner on my TV saying, your laundry is ready. I was quite irritated because I had not initiated that. So we can talk about GDPR compliance here, but it's also a bad customer experience. So I think my uh, device manufacturers should consider not just the legal compliance as a burden, but also as an opportunity to create customer trust. And yes, GDPR may be seen as burdensome to comply with it in the right way but I think it should also be used as an opportunity to create customer trust.
0: Thanks so much, Catherine. Talking to you, it seems that IoT device manufacturers, as well as people like us that that use IoT and and others that deploy it, um, are in a market where there is tons of promise. But I guess with any fast growth or emerging area, it will be absolutely essential to continue to monitor and respond to emerging legal issues and risks, and in particular, those relating to privacy and security.
1: I totally agree, Rose, and uh, thanks for having this lovely conversation with me.